Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. A reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so my servant and my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. As we hear your word read and proclaimed, we humbly ask, O Lord, that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our very beings that we would see, hear, and know of your presence. But that as you open our very beings up to the knowledge of your love for us. Transform us so that we would leave this place not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Think back with me, if you will, to your childhood or the children in your home or even as you are now. Do you remember being scared of the dark? Do you remember that feeling, that feeling that when the lights went out that you were in this vacuousness of space, that you couldn't see anything in the room, that you were afraid, afraid of what was maybe in the room with you or that you were alone in the dark? What would bring you comfort? What brought that to you? Maybe it was a nightlight that your parents put over in the corner of the room. Or maybe it was a flashlight on your nightstand so that when something made a noise in your room, you could click it on real quick and scan the room for whatever it was that made the noise. Or maybe it was a blanket that you could hold tight or a stuffed animal that you could clutch closely to you that provide comfort, assurance, a shared experience. Something that promised hope and that it was going to be okay. That the darkness couldn't win. 
In today's text, Abraham is scared. Abraham is worried. Now, you kind of got to look at a little bit of the backstory, if you will. If we had your Bibles open and we flip back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, God is talking to Abraham and God says to him, I want you to go on a journey to a place that I will show you. I want you to trust me, basically, is what he says. I'm going I'm to tell you where we're going to get to, but I just want you to, to go on this journey. I will make you a great nation. I, you will be a blessing. All of the earth will be blessed through you. In other words, I'm going to build the kingdom out of your family. You will bless the nations of the earth. And so now we fast forward to today's text. Abraham is worried. He's worried, and God says to him, don't be afraid, Abraham, don't be afraid. I am your shield, your great reward. But Abraham is worried. He has this doubt. Because even though, even though God promised him that he would sort of have birth to the nations, that he would have all these descendants, Abraham in his old age was childless. And so he names that fear before God. He says, God, I, I followed you here, but yet I'm childless. I mean, is Eliezer, is the servant of my household, is that who is to inherit my estate? Is that who is to have it all? And God calms his fears, calms his doubt, takes him outside, and he says, look up at the heavens. Look up at the night sky with me, Abraham. Look up there. Do you see the stars? Count them if you will. Count them if you dare. Count them if you think you have the capacity to count all the stars because you will have descendants more than those. And it's in this moment that we realize that God is fulfilling that promise, that God is making a covenant with Abraham and also with us. And it's in this moment of this covenant, this promise, that we realize that God's promise endures forever that God never gives up and that the closer that we draw to God ourselves, the closer that we come to God, the depth of that promise is realized and that that covenant becomes a comfort for us even in the darkest days and moments of our lives, that we are not alone and that God is with us. We know from reading in Genesis and through the study of the Bible that since the dawn of time, God desired to be in this really close symbiotic relationship with humanity. Remember when God created all the days of creation as we learned earlier this summer, every day and it was good, but when God created humanity and it was very good, God wanted that close relationship between all of humanity and God. And so this is woven throughout the Bible. It's a reminder to us that God seeks this deep relationship. Think about the way that God speaks with Abraham. When Abraham sort of challenges God as to why hasn't your promise been fulfilled, God doesn't get angry. God doesn't become judgmental. God speaks to Abraham as a friend. God reassures him. He says, I am your protector. I am your just reward. Go out and look into the night sky. I'm right here. It's going to be okay. And, even it, and all of this is not even dependent upon Abraham's actions. All of this is, is God's promise 
to Abraham that that, that promise endures. Even when Abraham wants to protest the idea of, will Eliezer inherit my estate? God doesn't even listen to that, doesn't even honor that question. Instead, he just sort of dispels those fears and shows him the awe of the heavens. Now, I don't know about you, but I always, when I look up at the night sky, I am always in awe of it. But you know, you look at the night sky here in Winston-Salem with all the light pollution, and we think we see all the stars. We think we see a lot of stars. But if you've ever been out into the wilderness areas, out west, out into the desert, out where there isn't light pollution, you begin to see a totally different picture. A few years back, I went on a building team trip to Jamaica, and we were out in the middle of nowhere. Like, I had to work to find where we were on the map. I mean, it was a small town about as big as this sanctuary. There was a church about the size of the transept over here, and that was it. And so we're out in the middle of nowhere, and I can remember one night going out and sitting on the rock pile, which was really more comfortable than it sounds, and staring up at the heavens. And I saw stars upon stars upon stars, thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of stars that I had never seen before. It was amazing. And I think what Abraham must have seen when God took him out, and it was in that moment that I realized that God's promise endures. Because God's children number even more than the stars I saw that night in Jamaica. Well, if God's promise endures, it also means that God never gives up on us. When Abraham expressed his doubt, God was still there. You know, the best part about this is we know the rest of Abraham's story. At some point, Abraham got impatient, waiting for it to happen. And all of a sudden, along came Ishmael when Abraham and Hagar connected. And so you have this, and yet God is patient with that. And God said, that's not what I was talking about. You and Sarah in your advanced age are going to have a baby. And so as God says, Abraham tells us to Sarah, they both laughed. That was the most ludicrous thing. And yet what happened? Isaac came along. His name means laughter as if to remind all the world how futile it is for us to laugh at God and to try to take things in our own hands that God knows better than we know. God promises us so much that even when our world looks dark, when fear and anxiety are are all around us, that God is present with you and me through it all. As we read about the humanitarian crisis on the border or about the Ebola virus in Africa or about war and strife, we realize that God is still very active in our world, acting through God's children on behalf of God's children that God triumphs over the darkness. In St. Peter's Cathedral there in the Vatican, there is a beautiful baptistry, and that baptistry sits on stop of a, of a stone of red jasper. Now, most people don't know the story, but they go there and they admire the baptistry and they admire the, the converts who confess their faith and are baptized right there. But what they don't know is that stone of red jasper is the lid to Emperor Trajan's coffin. So the Roman Emperor Trajan, he persecuted Christians 
Christians with almost all impunity. I mean, he hunted them down left and right. They hid in the catacombs and how those early martyrs must now be dancing in heaven to realize that his grave is a site upon which future Christians confess their faith, upon which they stand there and they name that Jesus Christ is their Lord and that they have all the hope of the world. It's as if what it says by standing on that grave that God triumphs in the end over everything. And that's a reminder to you and to me that God is always present, that when we come to this table, when we celebrate the meal of the kingdom, what part of our liturgy says, when our love failed, God's love remains steadfast, that God is always present, even when we think we know what's better and we turn away from God, or when we think that God has tuned us out, God is still focused on us. It's our hearts that leave. And we realize that. We realize that at the table, but Abraham realized that in his life when, when God took him outside and said, Abraham, I've not left you. The dream is still alive. The covenant is still alive and well. It endures forever, and I am right here with you every step of the way. And when we know that God's promise endures in our lives, then what we need, what we need to do to really understand it more so is to draw near to God. God is drawn close to us, but waiting for us to draw near as well. And so we've got to come near to God so that we see what God is doing in our lives, through our lives, and the lives of the people around us. In the African-American church, there is a proverb, which I love so much, it said, God may not come when you want him to, but he's always right on time. God may not come when you want him to, but he's always right on time. And that sums up everything about the enduring power of God's promise and how God never gives up on us. It's a source of great comfort to you and to me because God is looking out for us. God is looking after us. God is looking over us. Even in our hour of greatest need, God will come right on time. So what would it look like if we open our eyes a little wider, we open our hearts and listened a little more intently with our ears. We began to see that God's presence is all around us in the world and in our friends and our neighbors and our church, in our community where God is all around us in everything that we do. God is providing opportunities for us to be even closer. Because being drawn near to God means that you and I spend a little more time closer to God. And in that time, through prayer, through scripture, through worship, through service, we realize that we are not alone. That God is always present with us. That we are not alone. That God has claimed us as his blessed children. You are mine, he says. You are mine. I will walk through waters for you. I will not let anything drown you or burn you up. You are my blessed children. I want this deep relationship with you. But what we find, my friends, is this. As we build upon that relationship, as we read about God's love for us, as we begin to practice it and listen for it, with the people that we, we realize as we draw nearer to God, listening to what God has for us, 
our anxiety about life disappears. We find a happiness that's deeper than what the world claims, a happiness that's deeper than what you see on Facebook. I don't know if you, you scroll Facebook sometimes and you think to yourself, man, my friends have a more exciting life than I do. They've got it more together than I do. Their kids are dressed more perfectly than mine. Their dogs behave better than mine. They've got it all figured out. Well, guess what? That's just what Facebook says. That's what the world wants you to believe. But see, the true happiness that we're talking about is realizing that we can trust God with the things that are outside of our control because God's in charge and we're not. That God loves us just for who we are, that we're created just the way God wants us to, and that our gifts are the gifts that the world needs right here, right now. So when we draw closer to God, when we spend more time with God, we begin to change the way we look at the world. We discover the things that matter the most, the relationships that we have within our families, with our neighbors, with our coworkers and our friends, that those are the real signs of success. Those are the things that matter the most. We begin to change the way that we live and we live not for ourselves, but we live for God. We live and practice justice and humility. We reflect God's love for all the world so that everyone that we come in contact with when they see our smile, when they hear our kind words, they realize that they matter and that they are loved. And this new way of living means that you and I depend less on our abilities and more upon God's calling and God's grace. And it's in those moments that we begin to realize in the deepest parts of our hearts that God shows up right on time. So as children, as we grew up, we realized that the dark wasn't something to be afraid of, that there weren't monsters under our beds, that we weren't alone, that just because we couldn't see didn't mean that everything disappeared. Eventually, maybe we turned the nightlight off, maybe the blanket is enshrined in a box somewhere in the attic. The stuffed animal has all the fur rubbed off of it, but we can't bear to part with it because it's a reminder. Maybe even we still have a flashlight in the drawer in the nightstand. Those things provided comfort for us. But now when we question what happens in the world and if we are alone, if we are afraid, all you and I have to do is to go outside and look up at the heavens. To look up and to see the thousand points of light that come from the stars, whether we're in the city or out in the wilderness, we see God's promise lived out before us. And we begin to realize that those points of light have chased the darkness away and that we no longer have to fear it. We no longer have to be worried. We remember what God promised Abraham, that that promise endures, that God never gives up, and God wants us to draw closer. And it's in those instances, when we do that, you and I realize what matters most is that God comes right on time. God comes right on time in our lives. So as we go forth, as we go forth today out into the world, let us tell the world that God may not come when you want God to, but God comes right on time because God promised Abraham 
I'll be with you every step of the way. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.